Welcome to Overflow, the podcast exploring what is and is not inherently visible about those who build with Webflow. I'm Matthew Munger from the Webflow community team, and in each episode, we highlight the unique perspectives, passions, and experiences that fuel the creative mind of our guest. From Glenroy, Australia, we are joined by the head of digital at Thirst Creative, Carl Irvin. Carl was a Flash developer and animator who transitioned to teaching before becoming a developer, which has naturally progressed to him becoming the head of a whole team of digital designers and developers. In this episode, we'll appreciate Melbourne's great coffee culture, putting in hard work on the details that no one else will see, and also the importance of honesty, vulnerability, critical thinking, and communication in a team environment. Featuring Carl Irvin, this is Overflow. Hey, Carl, thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Why don't you start off and tell us a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. My name is Carl Irvin, and I'm the head of digital at an independent full-service creative agency called Thirst Creative. And where are you located? Yeah, so I live in a, a little town called Glenroy, which is in the northern suburbs of Melbourne. It's a very interesting place to live. It's a very up-and-coming neighborhood. So there's a lot of development happening at the moment, a lot of gentrification. But for me, I find it really great because it's just connected to a lot of transport, roads, things. I can just get around really easily. So it's a, it's a really nice sort of quiet neighborhood to live in. Because of the train lines and stuff, it's an easy kind of train into work and to the city and around. So uh, I haven't driven into work for probably the past eight years or longer. So it's kind wow. of nice just to have that time to sit on a train, chill, listen to a podcast um, or just read up on stuff. How often do you kind of go into the office? Since COVID, I've been really quite fortunate to, I guess, work in a hybrid sort of setup. So I do roughly three days at home uh, and then two days in the office with the team and with everyone else. Anything in particular that you like about living there in Melbourne? I think you'll talk to any Melbourneian and they'll tell you about our coffee culture or like our little cafe culture that we've really built up. And I think that's what we're probably most proud of and what we tell other people we do the best. But it is like a huge, huge scene over here, like going out for brunch, having coffee. If you think of the typical kind of Aussie meal as a smashed avo, that's us. That's what we do. That's, you know, <laughs> that's what we live apparently. But it is like a really great coffee culture. Again, it's going to sound weird, but it is one of those things where that is my weekend. That's my relaxing point is going out and doing that and going mm -hmm. for the coffee, catching up with people. It's a huge part of how I sort of unwind and just kind of park work. And now I've got my home life, my bit where I'm hanging out with my partner and our friends. So we try to always go to a new cafe every weekend or try a new place to eat or a new coffee. And you know whether it makes it to the list or not for us to return, <laughs> that's, you know, that's up to them and the quality of their coffee. What does your workspace look like? From home, if you're looking right now, I have two great monitors in front of me, plus a laptop. As someone who was a developer, I love a multi kind of monitor setup. I'm in the front room. It's sort of pretty relaxed. I've got some artwork up. But what I kind of appreciate the most is I've got a window right next to me and some natural light. And I'm quite fortunate that at work, I have a very similar setup. I'm right next to a window. I get to look outside, but I also just get to sit with my team, which is kind mm. of like a really nice setup as well. It's very much an open space concept. You know, we've got media rooms that we can see into the media rooms too. So we can try and see what everyone's doing at once. It's that sort of thing that you miss during lockdown is having those talks, having those jokes, like being able to overhear things that mm. I sort of really appreciate when I go into the office. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've got a series of like in-house memes 
that only my team know or things like that or those little jokes <laughs> which there's only so much of that you can do online but once you get in person you can kind of keep saying them or doing them it's much more fun client meetings are fun yeah that's one of the things i love doing is just unpacking something and trying to figure it out do you have any hobbies or interests during lockdown i picked up 3d printing and painting which was a bit of fun I also learned that it's not good to do that in the same space that you're working because of the fumes. So a lot of lessons were learned pretty quickly that it, it is highly toxic, but it is also very fun. And it was a good creative outlet for me. Currently now I'm really diving into a lot of AI and sort of AI art. So I've actually started up a fake Instagram account called Fake Brutalist Builds, where I just generate <laughs> fake architecture photos and <laughs> upload them. So that's, that's current, my current sort of hobby I'm working through. It gives me a chance to do stuff and I get to make pretty things, which I don't get often the chance to do myself. So it's a bit of an output for me in that regards. You were talking about painting as well. Is that painting the, the 3D prints, like miniature type painting, or is that yeah, something it's, else? Yeah, it's painting those 3D prints, and it's a lot more complicated than what I thought it was when I first started. But I have, like, all the gear. I've got tiny brushes. I've got magnifying glasses. Like, mm -hmm. the whole, anything <laughs> that you could buy to do it, I now have to do it. And it's that point where you can really just focus on something. Like I could spend an hour painting an eye, just trying yeah. to get the eye to look right on this tiny figure. And there's a little sense of achievement there when you get it right. It's definitely a labor of love, I guess, because mm -hmm. there's a lot that goes into it, which no one else ever mm -hmm. sees, but you know everything that's gone into it. You know the hard work you've put into it. And for other people, it might just look nice. For me, like I've painted that eye 17 times. It looks great. <laughs> and does that kind of ethos, did you have that same approach to your digital work? Absolutely. I think there's there's something in being proud of your work, you doing your best to make sure that it's the best thing that it could be. I probably have a lot of front-end skills in regards to building out websites, but I really also focused, I guess, a lot on like the user experience side of things, because I think that there's so many different people using so many different tools. We just want to make it as easy as possible. So I would focus on like making really nice CMSs that people could understand and use, you know, just put your content in, be able to update things. It's things shouldn't have to be hard if you do a good job. What is your role and how would you describe what you do? So I role is head of digital at First Creative. What that essentially means, though, is I just head up the digital team, which is our UX, UI designers and developers, our website developers, as well as our marketing and SEM, SEO sort of areas. So I have a small team that I work with, and I sort of just oversee the operation in regards to the digital elements of what we do. I've definitely probably in the past two years become more of a talker than a doer. It was an interesting path to get here. I actually started as a Flash developer and a Flash animator. Mm -hmm. And, you know, surprisingly, when Flash is no longer supported, that's no longer your career. I actually transitioned to teaching and then came back as a junior web developer and kind of really got on the tools, really learned that side of it. And probably just over time, naturally kind of worked into a leadership role and then sort of found myself where I wanted to do less of just the implementation, but have more of a conversation at the start to sort of drive why we're doing it, how we can do it and really just focus on like what we're trying to achieve. And I mean, the big thing for a lot of it is just trying to connect with people to do something or to achieve something. And that's kind of the really fun part for me. I didn't expect to be in this role necessarily so quickly, mm -hmm. but it was something that I wanted to jump into. So I've been quite fortunate that the opportunity came up. But I think the thing I found the most interesting is the people part and managing people, but just working with people just to try and achieve really good things. People are great. I think people are underrated. Like you have good people, huh. you do good things. And yeah. I think I've been quite fortunate that my team is really great. And everyone I work with so far has been amazing. I think people are really the most interesting part. 
What makes a team really have that good kind of cohesion and collaboration? I think the big thing is just honesty with each other. I'm a huge fan of just process improvement. If we do something wrong, let's not do it wrong again, but let's talk about it. Let's fix it. So I think having really great communication in a team, it's something that you can't push hard enough. If everyone's comfortable, if everyone feels safe, you can just keep working, getting better, getting better. And that's when you feel comfortable to come up with some cool ideas or to throw something out there that's unexpected. And that's where the magic happens. To do that, you have to be vulnerable yeah. and realistic. And we don't sugarcoat anything. We're honest people trying to do a job, but we're also just good friends. We want to hang out and we just want to get stuff done. So it's, mm-hmm. it's great to have that level of communication. What are those qualities that you find are really valuable for people to develop in themselves to thrive in that, those teams? I think a big part is just critical thinking and also researching and exploring ideas and being able to brainstorm and being able to kind of, you know, really just flesh out ideas in whatever way makes sense for them, whether it's visually, whether it's writing or something, being able to talk and communicate as well within teams or groups is a huge, huge skill set because you're not just working alone. Yeah, there's this book that I read recently about education. It's called Imagine If, and it really talks about those points, how collaboration, critical thinking and communication skills, especially in like a team environment where people are at different levels and different ages and are not something that we've really teach at a, at a young age that I think we definitely could be doing better at. Definitely needs to be reinforced much sooner because it does unlock everything else from you just from a people perspective of any workplace you collaborate. What is a resource that you think more people should know about? I'm not sure if many people know about or use an application called Screaming Frog, which is like an mm-hmm. SEO spider crawler. I live by that application. I use it daily for lots of different parts of my role just to really unpack a website, what it is, how it currently works. For client meetings, I'll scan their website to see how it works Mm. and how I could improve it potentially or to know what they're currently going through, how many pages they have. From an SEO perspective, which I do a bit of work in as well, it's just a great useful tool that I don't think people are maximizing. I mean, what's great is they have a lot of documentation around to use it, but I would just say download it, get in it, put in your own website and see what it says. That's where you find out the little things where you've accidentally got a double up of a H2 or you could possibly have a H3 here. So it's just a really easy way to very quickly understand a whole website and how it's structured and things that you can fix before something goes live even. It's a nice like pre-flight checklist just to run through and double check things as well in any situation, whether it's pre-live or post-live. Like it's a good way to capture maybe URLs that shouldn't exist or shouldn't be indexing or things that should be turned off just to make sure that as you're going across, you're you're doing these quick check-ins. Definitely. Yeah, people should, if they're not using Screaming Frog, they should. Any other resources you'd like to mention? Huge fan of Figma. Before I started in this role, I had never touched Figma, but absolutely in love with it and what it does and how my team use it and how I see people using it and really excited for that Figma to Webflow kind of piece that's out there now and seeing how we can use it as well. Huge, huge fan. Yeah, Figma and Webflow, yeah, go very well together. And now with DevLink, I'll just say with Webflow in the middle to like build your components, but taking your design, bring into Webflow, build your components, wrap them up, send them directly to applications. Yeah, it's going to be really exciting to see what people do with that end-to-end workflow. Absolutely. It's on my list, not for this week, maybe for next week, for us to absolutely explore that further because it's such an interesting opportunity for us to work through. In the Webflow community, is there anyone who inspires you? It's probably been said before and probably will be said multiple times, but I'm (laughs) a huge fan of the people at FinSuite and what they do. For me coming in, 
to my role and I guess using Webflow. I came in probably from less of a designer point of view, but more of like how to use it from a business point of view. And there's some really great resources there on which I think Joe goes through just talking through like how they use Webflow for business opportunities and things like that. So for me to come on board, having those resources, not from a designer or developer, but from a business was really, really interesting for me. And it really got me up to scratch very quickly and made me really appreciate and really understand what, what a great opportunity and tool it can be to use. It saves me doing the research into it. I can spend half an hour looking at something then spending another six hours trying to investigate it myself, I guess. Yeah, it's almost like Joe is an AI <laughs> for that topic. <laughs> like I'm sure he'll release himself at some point as a <laughs> extension or something. Yeah, that'd be fun. What is some advice that you would like to share with the community? I think just being active and helping each other out is a huge one. And I know that there's lots of little communities within the community where mm -hmm. kind of people feel safe and do their part. But like I'm on the Slack channel. If someone has a question, I can jump in and answer it. I'll do it. But I see other people doing that as well. And I think that's the important thing is that there's just people there willing to give a hand or willing to like help out when needed. And I think that's something that just needs to stay. Uh, that is core of this community. Yeah, for sure. People don't treat their knowledge as a closed garden. It's very much like a public house and everybody's welcome to come in, have a good time, share experiences and learn from each other. Yeah. And you, you don't get that everywhere else. So that's a really unique sort of thing. Carl, how can others in the community reach out and connect? The best way to reach out is probably just to connect with me on LinkedIn. You can find me at Carl Irvin on LinkedIn with a K and an E. Don't type the C and an I because you won't find me that way. This was an Overflow episode with Carl Irvin, produced by the Webflow community team with music by Joseph McDade. To learn more about the Webflow community, please visit webflow.com slash community. I've been your host, Matthew Munger. Thanks for listening.